maybe girls don't respond. Your conversation isn't really on point. You're not challenging the women enough. You're not making enough of a positive impression and you're not getting the women in your life that you would really want. Now you're again at the struggle phase. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. What's up, guys? This is Alex from the Natural Lifestyles in Budapest coming at you with a video today about career, mentorship, and how to get ahead in life. Because I know if you've been watching this channel for a while, you're the kind of guy who wants to get ahead in life, who wants to accelerate fast, who wants to have a fulfilling, purposeful life, get good with women, get ahead in career, and increase your overall happiness. So that's what we're gonna do today. So let's look specifically into what topics I'm gonna cover in this video. We're gonna start with the world's biggest career lie and why it is a problem for you specifically. We're gonna look at how you can escape that trap and create solutions for yourself to have, as I mentioned, accelerated learning and a very fulfilling life and a purposeful career and not get caught up in the mousetrap in the rat race. We're gonna to continue to look at very important principles like accelerated learning, the law of diminishing returns and mentorship. And then in the end, the juicy part comes where I look at what in my opinion is the only shortcut in life. I know people always say there's no shortcuts in life and I stand by that, I think that's true. Uh, but there's one major lecture lesson principle that I wanna share with you that will cut off years and years of your learning curve, that will accelerate you more than literally anything else that you could do or research or work on in your life. So I think that's really exciting, so let's get into it. Let's talk about career, university, school, and how your social circle, your parents, your grandparents maybe even, advise you on those sort of topics. Now, I will share my experience, how it was for me. Uh, don't forget, I grew up in Austria, where obviously career and education is of a lot of value for society and people there. So this was my experience. Already when I was pretty young, maybe 10 years old, my parents and uncles and cousins would ask, hey Alex, what do you wanna be one day? What direction do you wanna develop, you know? They wanted me to, even when I was maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, to already have a pretty clear idea in my head of where my life should go in the future. Why? So they asked me, hey, please, uh, did they tell me, get good grades, you know, in the primary school. Why? To get accepted into a good high school at 15. Why is that important? Of course, you have to be in a good high school where you already get into somewhat more specific stuff. So you then choose the perfect university for yourself. Again, why? Of course, because you then have the highest chance after a successful university degree to get 
that one job that you already chose a decade earlier. So basically they try to make you choose something very specific very early. Do they tell you things like maybe try a couple of things out and see what sticks, what doesn't. Uh, follow your passion, which is a, now a cliche in itself already. Maybe take a year off and experience new things or challenge your comfort zone. No, they don't say any of those things, of course, at least not where I'm coming from. I'm curious about your experience. So why is that a problem? We'll get to that in a second. The other funny aspect of this is, so there we have this time span from like maybe 20, uh, from 10 to 25, where you get influenced by your parents and environment. And then you also hear from maybe even older relatives, older uncles, maybe your grandparents, how they are looking forward to retirement, how they are saving up for that big trip to Thailand once they're retired, how they're gonna buy the car of their dreams once they finally get their last paycheck. And what's kind of missing in this story arc is this huge part in the middle of 40 years of the actual work, you know? <laughs> they just tell you, get the degree, get the education, and then whatever happens in between doesn't really matter. And then in the end, you are finally allowed to relax, to do whatever you want, and to be finally happy after you paid your dues in the working world. Now, obviously, it's clear already that this is not really a fantasy or an enjoyable thought to have. So that's the first problem of the two problems with this thing is that where is the fun? Where is the fulfillment in this? You know, where does it leave space to get excited about life when you have to choose a box really early on and then stay in this box until basically the law or depending how much money you make tells you now it's okay to finish, you know? Uh, where I'm coming from, people would never have the idea of, mm, maybe I try something else. Maybe the job I'm in now is not for me and I will transition within the next year in a smart, clever way, of course. Or, huh, maybe when I come home, I work on my side business in the evening. That's all ideas that I didn't hear a single time in my extended family for the whole time that I was growing up. Now, that's obviously a problem, but there is a way bigger problem to the way a lot of people nowadays approach their life. And I see that a lot with our clients. We have a lot of really specialized, really clever, smart clients that are currently earning good money. That's why they can afford our workshops. But we live in a world now where change is a constant factor. Every year, the world is changing massively. The internet brings a lot of innovation. There is industries that might be insanely lucrative in one year, and then a couple of months later, it's dead. There might be certain business ideas where people jump on it and make millions in a couple of months, and then the next year, it's totally overcrowded and nobody gives a fuck. You know, just think about crypto, 
maybe drop shipping, although that might still be in the beginning, marketing agencies and stuff like that. Like there's so much things going on that five years ago was not even a thing, wasn't even in a dictionary. So we live in a world of constant change. And what is the world, especially the economic world made of, of companies? What are companies made of? Of people. So obviously the companies that are able to adapt to change the most, therefore with the people who can adapt to change the most, will be successful. So if you want to be successful in today's world, in my experience especially over the last six, seven years working with this company, working as an entrepreneur as well, working in different companies, if you want to be successful in today's world, you need to be a person that is adaptable to change and that can offer more than just one specific skill. You need to be able to have a variety of skills and come up with a solution. You need to be a person who, especially in my opinion, the number one thing you can have is a problem-solving mindset. Because there's so much change, often there's challenges that have never been there before for a company, you know? Suddenly, uh, I'm just talking about ourselves, you need an Instagram, you need a TikTok, you need to put out videos on Facebook, they need to be a little different than the ones on Instagram and you have the version on YouTube and then you need to do paid ads to get people in but then you need certain sequences to get people again and so on like there's just a lot of marketing principles that are coming and going you know Instagram wasn't a thing 10 years ago TikTok was not a thing really in the mainstream two years ago uh, and there's constant change that uh, companies are challenged with so that is, in my opinion, the world's biggest career trap, is thinking I need to specialize in one specific thing and work really hard into that direction. Now, do we have to work hard to be successful? Absolutely. There's really no shortcuts in life. So next, let's look how you can get out of that trap and what is the better approach to this. Let's look at some of the traps that you might be faced with while following your career path. So one I already mentioned, it's your social circle, especially your parents or your extended family, nudging you into one direction or another, basically suggesting that you should specialize really early uh, in an either very subtle way like it was for me, or maybe in a more really strong way where a guy or a dad is like, you have to take over the company or you have to do this or you should do this because this is good. I guess every case is different. Now, another maybe even more subtle trap where you might get caught up in is the problem with comparisons. Humans constantly compare each other to one another. That's how we rank ourselves, how we rank others, how we take on roles. And of course, your parents are doing the same with their children a little bit. So out of my experience again, my parents would say very subtle, innocent things, just sharing some stories of what's going on in their life. Things such as, oh, my friend uh, Judy's son just got a job at this company that is in this town. Cool, 
my friend Sarah's daughter just got accepted into this university in this city because she did this and wants to become this. Interesting. So obviously that sounds just like sharing and communication, but I always feel, and I think that's the truth, that the underlying message of all of those stories is, here is somebody who does it right. So you should do it right too, Alex, right? You get it? Um, so be aware of those subtle communications, of those subtle suggest suggestions uh, and comparisons with other people. Other people are other people. Other people are very different to you. You might have a totally different personality type, different interests, different skills, a whole different way of looking at life. So it's basically completely useless to use totally random people's examples as a motivator. Of course, if you are uh, vibing with a certain personality or you're really uh, identifying yourself with someone, that's one of the best things to motivate yourself, right? That's the people you should follow on social media or read books about, your idols, your mentors, so to say. So that's two traps that you should look out for. Then there's another one that goes in a totally other direction, which is just doing whatever the fuck you want forever, trying out a new thing, totally not specializing, trying out a new thing every month, doing yoga for a month and then thinking, I'll become a yoga instructor, and then going on a trip and uh, becoming a diving instructor, but not finishing the school at all. And then thinking, oh, uh, I saw an ad for programmers and programmers are in high need, so now I'm doing programming. Oh, actually, I'm more the creative type, so I'm learning Photoshop. Oh, photos are boring, I want to be a video editor, and so on. And then getting basically nowhere forever. This is an okay approach if you're really young. You know, if you're in your teens, early 20s, whatever. You know, if your parents are still basically paying for your life, you have the luxury, and it's really a luxury, I'm realizing now, <laughs> of doing whatever the fuck you want and trying out really different, like a lot of different things on a very basic level. The problem and danger with this is, it seems kind of fun in the moment, but as humans, you need something that you are somewhat good at, something that gives you recognition by others, you know, that gives you significance, that gives you a wage, that gives you money. Like, let's be real, in order to live in this life, you need money. So you need to do something that even sometimes it gets hard, it's not fun, you have to push for resistance, but a thing you do every day, every week, that will get you a certain level of income and builds your personality. So what is the right approach? Well, as I said before, you don't just wanna do a different thing every month. You need a core, occupation, a main hustle, so to say. You need money, you need something that stabilizes you and that you can operate from. Depending on your age, you might be really lucky and your parents are still paying for you and you're only going to school, which you should do, or you're already a bit older, you're on your own. You need something that gives you enough money to get by. This doesn't need to be the amazing job you ever dreamed of. It doesn't need to make you a six-figure payment, but uh, what's important is that it's enough. And don't have too high standards with this, you know? 
I worked at Starbucks, which is a fucking tough job, and I learned a lot. I worked in a hotel at night. Uh, I worked on construction sites to get a basic income. But now, even if you do a full-time job, and often to get by, you don't even need to do 40 hours per week. You might do 20 or 28. You still have a lot of time left. You still have three, four, five hours every day to work on something else. Now, what is a good strategic way of choosing what you should pursue? What really is for you? What is maybe your passion? How do you find your passion? Personally, I was in a pretty long stretch of, fuck, I don't know what to do. I like this a little bit, I like this. I like kind of eight different things, but nothing really. How do I really choose the thing that is for me? Uh, I was thinking very rigidly in terms of very precise job description, like what should I exactly Google for and apply for? And I was in a long phase where I really struggled with this. And only like basically this year, 2019, I realized a lot of things about myself and how I approach life and career. One bad way to do it, the worst way to find your passion is to wait for it. You have no idea about yourself yet. You didn't even try enough things to know what is for you and not. So sitting still is a really bad option. You know, it won't come to you. You have to take action. So one incredible way of thinking what is for me is asking yourself, what did I enjoy doing as a child? What did you really like to do when money, career wasn't even a word in your vocabulary? What did you really enjoy doing back then? And if I look at myself, it was building things. Building things with wood blocks, with sand, with snow. There was no bigger joy than having something tiny and then making bigger things out of it. And then the other thing that I really enjoyed doing from a young age was building things and then selling those things. Even when I was nine years old, I had a little popcorn stand at a local event that ran over a weekend. When I was 11, uh, I was buying Magic the Gathering cards off eBay. I had my first eBay account when I was 11 and bought like booster packs and then opened them and checked for like premium cards and like scanned those and resold. And like, that was the way I built my own decks back then. Uh, I was pretty into Magic the Gathering and I wanted to be the best in the school. Um, and it continued and continued. You know, I had basically my first employee when I was 17, where I ran a little sandwich business in boarding school. So I didn't really ever think about it like that because, yeah, Steve Jobs says you can only connect the dots looking back, right? But now it's so obvious to me. I always enjoyed building things and now it's building companies, it's building TNL, being the manager of TNL, thinking strategically, how can we get more subscribers? How can we reach a bigger audience and help more people? And selling things, not even for the money or to become rich, just... I enjoy the challenge of am I able to create something and give it to someone else and they give me money in return. It's just like an enjoyable challenge for me. So really sit down, meditate on it. What did you love doing as a kid? 
have you always been doing animal stuff, working with animals, chasing animals, searching with animals? Did you always do art? Uh, what type of art? Did you always want to work with real materials or were you more in a fantasy world? So a lot of guidance can come from your child self already. Now, with all of those things, whatever you choose as a side hustle, and I would suggest trying no more than two things at a side hustle at once, because otherwise it's just running out of time and it's too complex. There is one first wall of resistance you will face at everything. Uh, Seth Godin calls it the dip, and it's also the title of a book of Seth Godin. It's a really good read, it's a short book. I would highly recommend picking it up. And the dip is basically this first level of resistance you face in any new endeavor you do. It's, for example, learning a new language. It will be a little bit difficult getting the pronunciation right in the beginning. If you're trying to talk to girls to connect with women better on the street, it's saying hi, you know, it's going out and doing that first hard thing. If you learn guitar, it's like getting the hands right and like putting the fingers on the right strings. A lot of people are confusing the dip with, ah, it's just not for me. Uh, I guess it's not the right thing. It's not my passion or I'm just not talented enough. I will try something else. And that's where you get into this thing where you try a different thing every month, every month. And in the end, you're there and you're kind of unfulfilled because you didn't even start at anything. So I'm telling you now, the dip and this first wall of resistance will always be there, no matter how talented you are. Uh, obviously, you have a natural gift for some things and for others not. But you always have to push through this first level of resistance to get to the next level, to get to the other side. So let's imagine a scale of skill. Animation editor. <laughs> Let's say from one to 10. And a one is a total newbie. You don't even know what the thing is. You don't know anything in that area. Um, then a four and a five, you know some things, you know, maybe on the guitar, you play some chords now. Uh, you could maybe play one or two songs with that. Now we go to a six and a seven. Yeah, you're good, you know, it's, it's like you could call it your hobby. You could maybe teach some little things already somebody else. And then we move up to an eight, pretty good, you know. People would maybe pay you for that skill already at an eight. And then we're at nine and 10. 10 is like leading expert in the world. Uh, only a couple of people are as good as a 10 in that certain area. Now, the dip happens really early, okay? At a one or a two, you have to push through. Fingers hurt when you play guitar. Words don't come out when you learn a new language. So you have to just push through that. Now, the thing then is it becomes a little easier. Then the juicy part comes. It's fun to go from a four to a five to a six, maybe to a seven. And there is many ways of doing this. There's a lot of material out there if you want to learn Spanish, you know, if you want to learn guitar or piano. Uh, everything is basically a Google search away because most people who learned or everybody 
who learned that skill, went through that phase and could maybe create material to help you. Or there's good teachers who have taught many students to go from like a three to a four to a five to a six. Now, there is a magic key, I would say, to learning in general. If I think about myself, especially, I had a very transformational year this year where it was more about reducing the things I do and focusing harder on certain things. And that brings me to the principle of accelerated learning and how you can really, really learn way faster than anyone else. And let's look at that now. Every time I improved my skills by a large degree in a very short amount of time, I basically did it with the same method. And the method you could call full immersion. Basically, let's think about a few examples. I was learning Spanish for a year in primary school. So I had like one class every week and I hated it. It was horrible. I hoped that the teacher would never pick me. I never knew the answer to any question. I totally didn't understand how language works, how I would remember vocabulary, how I would form sentences and so on. I didn't enjoy it because I didn't really have to learn it. There was no immediate exam. I mean, there were exams, but they were uh, gladly easy enough for me that I could barely pass with a D. And there was no like big challenge, big mission, big job at the end of it where I have to learn uh, speak Spanish. The way I learned Spanish pretty fucking quick within five, six months from almost nothing to fluent was by living in Central America in a country where people only spoke Spanish, where I went on dates with girls that didn't understand me, where I had to communicate with hands for the first couple of months, where I had to speak at my job, which was like helping out with technical projects with people in Spanish and so on. I had to make social connections in, connections in Spanish. So literally my social life, my happiness, my daily routines were depending on me speaking a new language. And that's where I learned really fast. The other thing was talking to women, becoming more social, opening up, becoming better with girls in general. Now I was getting some success in Central America with women, but when I came back, I was just studying a lot. I was playing poker at home and I didn't really know how to become better. Another example is learning how to edit videos, learning Premiere or Final Cut. Now, the same principle applies where I wasn't really pushed into accelerating my learning there up to one moment and it was when I came to Budapest to meet James and the crew for the first time over five years ago and basically doing a photo shoot for them and then they asked me hey can you film a little bit for us hey can you edit a little bit for us and because of the attitude of me always saying yes even when I don't have the skill yet I was suddenly challenged with a lot of material that I filmed over a weekend and I needed to put it into a video. 
So what did I do? I sat down, watched a lot of tutorials and learned how to edit within weeks, you know? So the learning I did over the previous one or two years was basically as big as the next two or three weeks because I had to deliver. I was out of my comfort zone. I agreed to something the same as when I moved to Central America. I agreed to moving there, although it was fucking uncomfortable. I didn't speak the language. It's a new country. It's a new culture. Also, I agreed to edit videos for James, to do photography for him, to come every weekend to film for him, although I already had two jobs in university. So I put myself into massive areas of discomfort and that accelerated my learning so much. Another example, talking to women. It's very comfortable watching videos on YouTube. Uh, it's almost motivating. It's comfortable reading books about it, thinking about it. But guess what gives you the most progress? Obviously, taking action, going out there, saying hi, how are you? What's up today? What's your name? You look beautiful. It's very uncomfortable at the beginning. We are clearly in that dip phase when we first approach women on the street, cold, direct, you know, giving them compliments. Um, it's a very uncomfortable situation, but damn, it really, really uh, forms your personality and it molds you into a new you. So it's kind of like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, for example, how you guys think he built an insane body and became Mr. Olympia six or seven times and was one of the leading bodybuilders, had muscles, had every area of his body. You guys think that he did that by going to the gym a couple times a week, doing like full body workouts, lifting a few weights not too heavy, uh, having good diet, of course, having a routine. No, he did something what was called shocking the muscle. He would go to the gym and work on one muscle group or even one specific muscle. His whole workout, he would fuck the muscle up. He would like put a lot of weight on it early. He would make it scream literally until he couldn't even lift any more with that because that was the most uncomfortable thing. That would rips most fibers apart but then builds the most the next day, the next weeks and so on. So that was his strategy. So of course there we are presented with this principle which is kind of tough. If you want the most amount of learning you have to put yourself in the most amount of discomfort. It's the truth and it's how it is. Obviously, you're not alone. You can search for support groups, you know. All of our workshop clients that come to our workshops have a support group during the workshop. They have a brotherhood, they have wingmen, and then after they have WhatsApp groups, they have Facebook groups. You can go to conventions, you can push yourself by accepting a job that is maybe a little bit out of your league at this point but you have people there who already went the way and they will support you a little bit so there is a way to be massively uncomfortable but in an environment that supports you now there's one more thing that I want to get to which really changes everything it's the one shortcut to life, I would say, 
And again, I stand by the saying that there's no shortcuts to life, but there's one major key which can really accelerate your learning, which can really get you ahead, cut off years of your learning curve, and can really make you a way better version of yourself than anything else could. And that's what I'm gonna share with you right now. Every time you're learning a new skill and you're advancing in a certain area, you're going through different stages. As we mentioned at the beginning, there is the dip, the part where it gets a little hard. Uh, James calls it the beginner's hell in seduction. Seth Godin calls it the dip. Uh, once you push through that, there will be a phase of momentum, accelerated learning. You can put yourself into certain situations where you learn really fast. Uh, there's a lot of material out there online. There is people that can help you, advise you, teach you because they went through the same uh, initial phase. So basically, if we look at that scale again that I mentioned before, it's that phase where you go from a three to a five to a six to a seven, where you form hobbies, where you have fun. Now, after this stage, there's another phase. And that's when basically the second struggle phase begins, where things plateau a little bit. It's basically a law of diminishing returns. When you see, okay, the beginning is a bit hard, then it accelerates a lot, but then it plateaus off. Things get really tricky, you know? Imagine you play guitar, you know, a few songs, a few chords, but then really playing really fast, very specific stuff, learning very specific skills gets really hard. If you are conversational at a specific language, it gets fun, you can talk to people, but if you suddenly have to read very sciencey kind of stuff, very technical stuff, and you have to learn very specific words, it gets really hard again. If you talk to women, maybe you went through the initial phases, you can now say hello, you can get into somewhat of a conversation, you get some numbers, it's cool, but maybe girls don't respond. Your conversation isn't really on point. You're not challenging the women enough. You're not making enough of a positive impression and you're not getting the women in your life that you would really want. Now you're again at the struggle phase. So every hour that you put in in that phase, every additional hour gives you less of a return, less of a return. It gets harder and harder and it's quite discouraging because now you're in, a, in an area where not, of, not a lot of people pushed through. There is not so many resources online out there anymore. There is not a lot of people you can ask for advice. You know, uh, your friends cannot really help you anymore. Your parents cannot really help you anymore. So you're a little bit more on your own. It's quite tough. And there are two ways, I would say, of dealing with this. One is the hard way and one is the smart way. The hard way is grinding it out putting in the extra hours, sitting down and really doing it, you know? That's where people go to university for many years. That's the kind of guys in school that like really pay attention, do the homework perfectly, spend an extra few hours 
into that project to get an A, the people who really specialize. But then the problem again is we have to put so much time into that one thing and we are kind of like in this loop now of this video with the beginning again where we have to specialize in one thing to become an eight, a nine, to become really good at something. So I don't really want to do that method because I want to do several things. I want to be, become really good at more than one thing. I want to be a more complete man and offer myself to the world in a better version. So there's the smart way. The smart way is finding people that went through the struggles already. Finding people that are at a nine or at a 10. Finding those people that overcome and overcame those challenges, that know the dangers, that did all the mistakes already, and that can, which can package all those learnings and give it to you in a way shorter amount of time that it would take you to learn all those things. And those people we call mentors. Those people are out there. Sometimes they're hard to find, but they're out there and they are ready to help you. Some people may think, why would a mentor even care about me? Why would he help me? Like he's already good at that thing. He's accomplished. He probably makes a lot of money because he is at that expert level where people paying a lot of money for the skill. Why would he help me? You might be surprised. A lot of mentors either just enjoy giving back, they enjoy the process of teaching in itself. I hear that a lot. But, and that gets me back to a point I made before, they really value people who can solve problems for them. Because they have problems too, different kinds of problems. Mostly time problems. For most mentors that I've met, for the most successful people that are in my life and that I get in contact with, time is their most valuable asset because that's what they don't have enough of because they have so many things to do. So if you're a guy who can really see through their problems and create solutions, have this problem-solving mindset, then you're a guy they want to have in their life. And... This is an extra video that I will do in the future of how to properly approach mentors because there's an art to it. There's a specific way of getting their attention, getting them interested, delivering, over-delivering the way you should approach their problems and deliver that to them. But that's a whole different video. Now, I just want to mention that this is the magic bullet. That is the one shortcut in life that will massively accelerate you. Finding a mentor that can package those insane learnings that he took so many years to gain and can literally just give it to you. He's almost like a godfather in the mafia, you know, with a lot of money, drugs that he can spend to make your life easier. He often could, and we see that on workshops, completely change your reality in a couple of minutes with knowledge that took him a decade to know. So the best example is this company, The Natural Lifestyles. Us, the coaches, spend five, myself, 10 years, 12 years living, breathing, thinking in this area. Lifestyle design, seduction, dating, 
And we now, because of that, have the ability to massively reframe and change mindsets of the students that come to us. So I'm sure you have a lot of mindsets and limiting beliefs that you have based on your experience in life. You know, you had experiences with a certain amount of women, you have been in relationships and this formed you. But maybe you're lacking information. You're maybe at this plateau level in this graph of diminishing returns and pushing harder, pushing through, just takes a lot of effort. That's why people come to us. They pay us a lot of money so that we can really feel into them, ask them a bunch of questions, make themselves ask questions, and then massively change their view on life, totally resolve certain limiting beliefs, change mindsets, change the whole outcome of their happiness and change their worldview, change the way they approach life in this area. So I want to ask yourself, how do you want to proceed in life? Do you want to either try new things all the time? Do you want to find a few things and push through the dip? Do you want to specialize in only one thing and hope it will be fine? Or do you want to become the type of guy who is more complete, who approaches life in a more holistic way, who enjoys being with a lot of people, who opens up, who is okay filming and expressing himself, maybe even as an introvert, who wants to connect with women, who also wants to maybe speak languages and has a high paid job and is really interesting to companies, to mentors, or become an entrepreneur yourself and do all this in a way that is fun and in line with your passion. We basically need people who are ready to take action, you know? As I said before, the worst thing is waiting. We don't need people who are expecting that sitting on their couch will give them a fulfilling and happy life. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.